Hello and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. All right, I'm excited. For the first time on the True Crime Guys podcast, we are going to Japan. What has taken us so long? I don't know. You know? Because Japan is fascinating. I love their culture. It is fascinating. So cool. It is. It is fascinating. There's What's some of the social norms you've been looking up? I know you told me you've been, you looked up some for the show. Well, it's, what, common, it's, it's commonplace to uh, apologize for insulting someone. Uh, mm-hmm. Like multiple times a day, they apologize for insulting someone even though they didn't necessarily insult them. Oh, it's, okay. just cust- it's just so custom to be overly polite right, um, and just cautious in case. about insulting people. Just in case. Just in case something you said may have come off um, so I'm just gonna say I'm sorry right now, Michael. For some at some point, I'll probably say something insulting to you. So I'm sorry. Well, I, I'm uh, I'm sorry for getting insulted. So. <laughs> Where How does that, that leave us? I, I don't know. We're both just just sorry sorry people, bro. I was telling Michael before the show. I'm like, man, if I if I went to Japan, I I I guess now knowing after like researching and looking into their culture and stuff that I. I would be more careful, but just being me, mm-hmm. if I didn't know, if I was just American Lauren going over there, I'd just be insulting everybody. Oh, yeah. Not even realizing it, not trying <laughs> yeah. to, you know? <laughs> You'd be offending the shit out of people, just walking by them without even a greeting. Yeah. Oh, man. What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there's so many things that are fascinating about Japanese culture, man. Those island cultures, man, they're amazing. They are. They are. Something and, about I being think cut off from the rest of, of the world, you know, it's just they, they create their forces. own things. It's amazing. Yeah, it forces creativity and forward progress, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it's like, well, we can't rely. Like, what if what if something happens to the ships? Right? We got to do our own stuff out here. Yeah, yeah, they're an amazing culture, man. They're ahead in technology a lot. They're they're vehicles. Um, video gaming. Yeah. A lot of the video gaming, um, you know, stuff like uh, Nintendo and all that came from Japan. Yeah, yeah, of course. And Nintendo does their own thing, man. They don't give a fuck what the other companies are doing. They're like, yeah, you guys release your consoles whenever. We're going to release ours when it's done and amazing. And it's going to be super successful like the console before it. The Switch. Everybody thought Nintendo was dead, you know, like uh, we've all moved on. And then they come out with the Switch and kind of everybody loves it. Game changer. Yeah. Now now your child can just take it. When the Wii first came out, everybody was all about it too. (laughs) The Wii was a blast. Yeah, it really was. I love the Wii, dude. I I could play just that Wii Sports that came with the Wii. It's still every now and then. It's still fun to break it out and do some bowling. Yeah, some bowling or some tennis. Get competitive with the kids. I like to play some tennis. You just don't be near ceiling fans or lamps. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those games that you and your kids can both have a lot of fun doing. Yes, yes. Mario Kart on the Wii was a blast with the steering wheel. Did you have one of those steering wheels? I used I to have a, st- I never, I never had one for for uh, Mario Kart, but I used to have steering wheels for like uh, Grand uh, Grand Turismo and Forza and stuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Good stuff. I remember when like the steering wheel uh, kit was huge. It was like a dashboard oh of an actual car. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. you see them things at like, Radio Shack. Yeah, I'm talking Shack. 90s. I had one of those those <laughs> yeah. setups in the 90s, man. Was, That's the shift. Was mind the blowing to us at the time. <laughs> it's like I'm really driving a car, man. Dude, I was always blown away at the ones that came with the pedal attachment. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the part that yeah, you could put in the floor. Uh, yeah, I, I never, I never got one of those. I, I was never that lucky. I couldn't afford the uh, pedal attachment as well. <laughs> Michael's so. too low class to to have the, the gas pedal. He only had the steering wheel. Yeah, <laughs> I only had the steering wheel. Just the brake. Oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> mom, I can turn, but I can't go anywhere. <laughs> I can't go anywhere. <laughs> one thing What's at a time, point? son. We're saving up. <laughs> You'll have a brake pedal soon, son. <laughs> Ask Santa. <laughs> All right, let's oh, uh, let's get into Yo, it, man. We, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk it. more Japanese culture. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm I'm bowing to you right now. You can't see me, but I'm I'm bowing. Okay, let's well I'm bowing started. lower. I'm bowing even lower. So well, now you just insulted me. You need to well, apologize. That's how it goes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Upstairs they heard a scream. They ran hysterically. But he had to have her now. 
All right, for our case this week, as we mentioned, we're going to Japan, to a place called Hatsukaichi City in Hiroshima Prefecture in Japan. Uh, as you guys know, we're going to probably struggle with some of these these Japanese names and cities, um, but that's yeah. par for the course. So It is. You should know that by now. Yeah. But Hatsukaichi is a safe and prosperous area, well-developed in agricultural uh, and fisheries and tourist em- tourism industries. So really safe place. Yeah. Uh, not really somewhere safe. You, yeah. If that's a, definitely not somewhere someone gets murdered. Oh wait, <laughs> yeah, let's wait. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, we're not covering this case to talk about uh, just how wonderful how, a tourist tourist city it is. There's there was right, a we're not horrific to get crime that happened there. here. Right, right, right. In 2004, a 17 year old girl named Satomi Kitaguchi lived in a traditional Japanese house house with her father, mother, grandmother, and young younger sister. That's another thing I appreciate about uh, the Japanese culture is they, they they tend to take better care of their parents as they get older. They they move them in, they become a big part of their uh, their children's lives. Their you know their parents, their the kids' grandchildren, uh, grandparents are always around, right there, basically on the same property. Right. I mean, because they they do that on purpose. They want these mu- like multi uh, generational homes. Yeah. Right. So like grandma has her wing. Mm-hmm. We have our wing here. The bedrooms are up here. You know, and such. And such. That's exactly and how I it think was. It's a great idea. Their property yeah. was they, there. Was essentially three homes on it. Two of them were connected, mm-hmm. uh, like the family wing, and then the, the the main family's home, and then there was the grandmother's home, which was next to them but separated. So it was like three right. houses on one property, um, and yeah, that was. I'm sure it's great for the kids. You know, I, I have sort of a similar thing going on. Uh, my parents live right down the street. Like I could almost throw a rock yes. and hit their house, and they're they're heavily in my my kids lives um we just can call them on a whim and you know uh, can we come over they come over for breakfast all the time things like that so right it, it is nice it is nice it is a benefit uh, i live in a similar fashion uh i don't want to live in the same house as my parents yeah. but it is nice to live near them you know what i'm saying somebody on your side somebody that's on your team all the time mm-hmm. and it's also you have those older generations to learn from and gain their wisdom and experiences from there's and times it's, where it's, they uh, have to be around. There's times where it's tough because their their style they they want to kind of push their their style of parenting yes. on you a little bit. Like of everything course. worked out with you. Uh, that's the way we did it in the 80s and 90s. And the, I'm like, well, we've got more knowledge now. Things are a little different. <laughs> we want to try right try things a little this differently. Would, in the 80s and 90s, you weren't doing things like the 50s and 60s. Now we're exactly Why? because you had more knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but uh, and there you go. In 2004. Satomi, uh, like as we mentioned, lived in a traditional home with her, her parents and her grandparents. Um, and she was a junior in high school of which she traveled to and fro by bicycle. So she would take her bike every day to, to school. Um, right. And on October 5th, 2004, it was an exam day. On exam day, she would go, um, she would get off at noon. So it was like a half day. I remember those half days in school. Those were the best. Oh, I love those half days, Those man. were the best. I feel like a jailbreak. Right. Yeah. You get out and it's like so bright out. It's <laughs> like the day is still young. It's like all the possibilities are endless. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get lunch. Yeah. Then I'm going to go home. Then I'm going to get just wear like shorts and just like play fucking video games. Right. Swim and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Got so many hours of Fortnite ahead of me. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Fortnite wasn't even thought I know, of. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to get into the mind of kids now, you know. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. Back yeah, then, it was like, man, for sure. bad in 2004, I'm going to go home and play. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to see the new rosters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just upgraded Donovan McNabb. It's great. Oh, snap. <laughs> I'm going to be Mike Vick. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was the, that was the guy to be in, in Madden. Hell, he's, yeah. He, uh, that's all I did was scramble, bro. And he could, I know, he, he was a cheat coding himself. Yeah. So yeah, she had a half day on October 5th, 2004, um, and so she, she rode her bike home and got home several hours before she would normally get home. She arrived home at 1 p.m., um, and her parents, both of her parents, were still at work. Um, her grandmother, however, was home with her younger sister. They were watching television in the main room, um, and so she, yeah, she gets home. She goes and she eats some lunch in the family room next to the, you know, where her grandmother and sister are watching TV. She has some lunch. 
and then she mm-hmm. she goes to the middle wing. There was so that houses we mentioned. There was three of them on the left. If you're looking at it from the street, you had like the family wing where she was eating lunch, and her grandmother and her younger sister were hanging out watching TV. And in the middle was like the family bedrooms and all that. And so after right. lunch, she retired to the the two story middle home where the bedrooms were. She went upstairs to the bedroom to take a nap. She was going to mm-hmm. get a nap in after a half day of school, after her, you know, her exams. Um, and right. meanwhile, her grandmother and younger sister were still watching TV in the main wing, and they were startled by hearing a scream at about 3 p.m. So she got home at 1, she had some lunch, she went back to the bedroom in the middle wing of the home, and I'm guessing around an hour, hour and a half after that at 3 p.m., Satomi's grandmother and sister heard her hysterically, uh, hysterically screaming. So they ran to the oh, middle God. home upstairs and hurried up to uh, Satomi's bedroom. They forced the door open. The door was uh, locked or kind of wedged closed. They forced the do- door right. open and saw a horrifying sight. They saw Satomi covered in blood and unconscious on the floor. Beside her stood a man in his 20s holding a knife. They'd never seen this man before. Holy shit. Not something you expect in the middle of a week on a weekday, you know, 3 p.m., something like no, this going God, on. Absolutely not. In a safe neighborhood, in yeah. a neighborhood where they entrusted their teenage girls to ride bikes to school every day. Exactly. You know what I mean? So this was completely out of nowhere. This intruder is broken in and stabbed young Satomi. Um, the grandmother and sister were obviously terrified. The sister escaped and ran away uh, out of the home to a nearby florist shop and ran in screaming, my sister's been stabbed, my sister's been stabbed. Unfortunately, yeah. the grandmother wasn't as quick to get out. The man chased her and stabbed her four times in the back before fleeing the scene. Um, although she sustained serious injuries, the grandmother managed to crawl to the phone and call the police before passing out. Um, She's a beast. Yeah, definitely. Wow, adrenaline is an amazing thing. I bet you that grandmother pushed the other girl out of the way as well. Oh, yeah. You know told her saying? to run for her life, yes. you know, knowing that she, that was, she was not going to be able to get hero. away. Right. Yes. And, and props to her for being able to think that quickly and that clearly to preserve another life in the instance of looking at your dead grandma. And you know what? That, that move probably also saved her own life because the intruder yes. would have, I'm sure, stabbed her more times if he wasn't worried about what the, the younger sister getting away and, and getting he authorities notified. He would have killed notified. all three of them. If if they don't if there's no flight and they just freeze mm-hmm. he would have killed all three oh, he would have killed all 100%. three percent he would have been able to take his time yeah. but he's now worried okay yes. this this young girl's ran off and she's gonna basically get people to respond right I got to be out of here mm-hmm. so the grandmother this guy gets, was wearing no mask right he wasn't wearing a mask no, no disguise no disguise at this they got a good look at him we we come to learn this is a spontaneous not well thought out crime this was. A spur of the moment decision this person made, and right. may or may not have even planned on stabbing Satomi, but we'll learn more about that. Um, so right. Satomi, when the police arrived, she was found collapsed either on a stair. I've heard it in multiple. I've I've heard uh, two different scenarios here uh, in different articles and whatnot. One says that she was found collapsed on a stairway. Others say that she was still in her bedroom where, you know, her grandmother and younger sister found her. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lean more towards well, the bedroom. I think she'd been stabbed so many times in there that she never even made it out. Um, I agree. I, th- I agree 100%. I think better. maybe they got confused. The grandmother was found on a stairway, and they say Satomi. I don't know. That would make a lot more sense, because the grandmother was stabbed in the back, and she would have been stabbed fleeing. Yeah. So She was yeah, able to make it to a phone, more but did she like try to crawl back up the stairs to get to Satomi, and that's where she kind of passed out? I don't know. Mm, that's true. They could have had a, a phone in in the hallway, or in the in a stairwell, yeah. or or yes, like you said, maybe she called and then was making her way back up the stairwell, mm-hmm. trying to Makes get a to lot of sense. Tom- Yeah, and, then where and she, she had lost so much blood at that point. I'm sure mm-hmm. she didn't have the strength to make it back up the stairs. Yeah. Mm. Well, Satomi, when found by the the paramedics, she was already dead. It was clear that there was no signs of life. She had been stabbed ten times all over her body, including the chest, uh, the back, and the neck. The fatal stab was uh, in the chest near her heart. Um, so there was there was two possible directions that the intruder could have taken. Uh, the police did a door to door investigation in the neighborhood, yet no useful information was rendered. I believe they were like backed up to uh, like a river. There's kind of rivers that run through this town, and I think yeah. he could have gone out the back and fled along the river. So yeah, I don't think this was your typical like 
door, like right next door to door neighborhood, like where, you know what I'm saying, where you share a, a, a space in between the house. I think these houses were a little more spread out. Yeah, they had a big property. You know uh-huh. Right, with I'm sure they had trees and whatnot growing up around it. There were places to hide in this neighborhood. Yeah, and also you know? this being uh, an afternoon week on a weekday, there weren't there was no witnesses. There wasn't many people walking around. Um, th- this is an area where everybody's working during the week. Um, so right, there was just not unfortunately no witnesses. There, right, and you're talking three o'clock, and there's not even probably any school buses running because school yeah. got out early. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. This being yeah, yeah this being uh, everybody's already at home See from their I'm exams, saying? right? Um, there was, of course, the grandmother and the sister who were both still alive. The grandmother did survive, and the younger sister—they yes. had both seen the killer face to face. So they they gave a description, and they were actually able to do a forensic. Uh, an officer was able to do a facial sketch of this perpetrator. Mm-hmm. The man, uh, as described by the grandmother and younger sister, was about twenty in his twenties. Uh, early 20s, with short hair, small eyes, and some acne scars. His build, they said, was sturdy. He was about five foot three to five foot seven, and stocky. So they mm. they made a composite sketch of of the man. Right. Um, and from the crime scene, they had they had some evidence as well, some physical evidence. There was uh, an unidentified fingerprint, shoe prints, and they were actually able to get uh, some DNA from Satomi's fingernails because she put up a hell of a wow. fight. And she scratched him. You really think this? You think this guy's dead in the water here? Right. You know? It sounds like I feel it, like it? it's only a matter of time. Yeah. It's only a matter of time they're gonna catch this dude. No. Yeah. Sixteen years later, this this case goes uh, cold. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So with the facial oh sketch, God. the fingerprint, the shoe print, and DNA, you would think, like you said, that the police were going to be able to track this person down. Right. Um, the fa- Somebody had to see something. Yeah, but when it's a completely random attack, that's the problem. It's like this person. That's the problem. You know, the first, as we know, the first thing uh, homicide detectives do is uh, they they look close to the victim. You know, friends, family members. That's and, right. You know, they try to find a connection. Yeah, stalkers, enemies. It's those random attacks gotta, that are all the hardest yeah. to solve, oftentimes. Right. Right. Um, so the facial sketch was distributed to Satomi's relatives, friends, schoolmates, and neighbors in hope that someone might recognize the man. Unfortunately, nobody had any clue who this person was. The intruder, the intruder had seemingly just arrived, killed, and vanished. Um, so this is mm. just one of the toughest ones. This is a nightmare scenario for for the detectives, for the family. They don't know where to turn. They just feel, you know, lost. And they're, I'm sure it's very frustrating. You want to catch this person. Um, oh, absolutely. And you're like, why at the most? You know, it's like no closure. In the community, someone got to be also thinking like, when is he, this person going to strike again if we don't catch him? Right. Yeah. What a violation of not only their home and their privacy, but but yeah, like community. you said, the whole community. The whole community thought they were safe. Yep. And this happened in broad daylight, mm-hmm. 3 p.m. So Yeah, this, this person could very well be a serial killer the way that this was done. This is uh, Richard Ramirez-esque, you know, breaking into a home, stabbing. Yes. So. Yes. No no doubt at all. It also reminds me a little uh, uh, Golden State Killer, um, East Area rapist Oh, yeah, definitely. Euron's? Scenario. You know what I'm saying? Because he's always he was in those neighborhoods, those same types of neighborhoods that always deemed so safe. Yes. But they, you know, they were partly wooded and whatnot, and he got in and out of those neighborhoods undetected over and over again. Yeah. I'm excited to see uh, the possibilities with genealogy. I think we're just getting started as far as catching oh, all dude. of these killers that were <laughs> oh, working in the gosh. 70s, 80s, 90s that left their DNA behind, they're not realizing what bullets. they were doing, and now their nephew or their niece like submits their DNA to 23andMe. Next thing you know, they yep they get caught. You know, it's great. Yep, they're sweating bullets, brother. Yep. And the older they get, the smaller the pool of possibilities you know of gets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they narrow, so, like, narrow if, if, if keeps narrowing. Exactly. So the more, like the, the more people submit their DNA to, you know, I was reluctant. Right. I have to say I was reluctant. Bill Burr kind of got, got me thinking like, why would you submit your DNA to any company or whatever? I know. I know. Me too. And also I'm not, I'm just not that self-absorber. I'm like, I have to know, you know, everything about my lineage, lineage or whatever. I'm just like, whatever I am, what I am. But yeah. I might do it uh, just so that they have more data so they can catch more bad guys, you know? Like it, it's... Right. The more and they have, the more ammunition a, they have, the more DNA that they have submitted, the more chance they have to catch people. So if I if, if I have some distant right. cousin who's a rapist, I want him caught. <laughs> yeah, fuck him, right? And I got nothing uh, to hide, so. But 
I don't think it's like a self-absorbed thing, though, Lauren, if you did want to do it, like even just to find out your culture and find out where you're from and find out what you got. Because even even what your relatives tell you may not be what you got. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because if when you look at siblings, look out, look at some siblings, how they look completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know I know these two brothers who were absolutely full-blooded brothers. One looked like the dad, one looked like the mom. You know what I'm saying? And they look completely different. Yeah. One was like darker complexion, dark hair. Yeah, that's the other crazy one was when like that happens, right? Pale, blonde hair, crystal blue eyes. And they were, you know, complete full brothers. Yeah. But I guarantee you, if they send in their lineage, their pie charts are going to look completely different. Right. Because they got different things. Yeah. So I think that's what's interesting about it. Like I could have a different, I could have different DNA lineage as far as then your culturally than my sisters. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's an interesting aspect of it. Yeah, it's 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 but, it's fascinating, but catching bad guys is also a great thing as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they had all this info. Um, they had his DNA, and unfortunately, though, no suspect was found. Year after year, nothing. It was driving Satomi's parents insane. Obviously, um, they put up a cash reward of three million yen, which at the time was about three thirty thousand U.S. dollars, and appealed for the public for info. This was um, Satomi's college fund that they put up. And uh, right, so they they wanted anything leading to the killer. This this money, as I said, was savings meant for her her college fund. They, the father spared no effort in handing out flyers, passed them, uh, pasted them in crowded places, police stations, shopping centers, and even started blogging just to keep the case's info uh, in the public's awareness. So wow, doing everything I mean, they can. That's what a parent would do, man. Yeah, I feel like I would I would, I would hope I would do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Just the just the need of that closure. Why? Why did this happen? Yeah. You know, especially living at home with another daughter. Right. Oh, you yeah. Know, you got to Yeah, be, the father, the father just, later had a quote saying that I he just felt awful that he wasn't able to protect his daughter on that day. Of course. But of course, I mean, you're at work, there's no you, <sighs> what could he have done, you know? Right. You can't you can't live with that guilt, but he's thinking that this is one thing I can do to honor her memory. Mhm. And to make sure that this doesn't happen again, the one, the one, you know, you the one good thing we'll say is, is as the years went on, it seemed as though whoever had done this didn't strike anymore. There was no more crimes uh, along these lines. There wasn't a random right. stabbing attack of a young girl again, um, which makes it even more odd. Yeah, because you think if it was a random attack, then it would be someone who couldn't with, withhold this rage mm-hmm. or this passion or whatever it is that drives them to do this type of thing, and they would do it to someone else. Exactly. Um, in that area, but it didn't didn't turn up. Yeah, and so within that decade, from 2004 to 2014 and on, uh, Satomi's father had written more than 4,000 entries in his blog and obtained many leads that never panned out. The police had been working hard as well. This wasn't a, a case where you know you see the police just be lazy and not take action. They were doing everything they could. Um, and mm-hmm. after 11 years, the police had hired some specialists from the U- United States Behavioral Analyst, uh, Analyst Unit, the BAU. So they turned to the U.S. Mm-hmm. for help. This unit uses behavioral, anas- uh, behavioral analysis in criminal investigation. They revisited the crime scene. So they get, they're getting a different perspective, just getting someone to t- right. take a new look at things to see if there's something they missed. Um, the BAU revisited the crime scene, spoke with some neighbors, and using criminal psychology and their findings, they concluded that the incident was not a premeditated crime. It was more of a voluntary manslaughter triggered by circumstantial factors. So they said that it was basically uh, spur of the moment um, somebody acted upon, you know, their instincts or whatever, and it, it got out of hand, is what they're saying. Using the hand drawn, good guess, yeah. Using the hand drawn sketch and computer software, BAU came out with a facial composite. Still, time went on with no idea who the perpetrator was. Unfortunately, from 2004 to 2018, over 40,000 people were looked at by the police in regards to Satomi's murder. Insane. I mean, I don't know how wow. deeply they went on 40,000, but they at least like looked over their record and if they fit oh, the profile. Oh, I'm sure. They were, looking at, they were looking at anybody who had a record of any type of yeah. probably attack with a knife, Seeing uh, if they stabbing, were, assault. If they were in the area at the time, if they yes. fit the profile. Is their age matchup? Let's look at their picture, you know, pull their headshot up. What does it look like? Yep. Yeah, that's probably the extent they went to. Yep. But, I think this is a good time to, to take a break and come back with the second part of the story where we catch this son of a bitch. All right, guys. Well, during this break, check out Luminol Podcast. Yes. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Caitlin. How are you? Good. You know what I'm sick of? What? Ted Bundy. Jeffrey Dahmer. Gacy. 
other well-known <laughs> serial killers. No, for real though. I'm tired of hearing about the same cases over and over and over. Me fucking too. That's why we created Luminol True Crime. We are a true crime, conspiracy theory, Alien. Strange Happenings. Podcast. We talk. You listen. And, and then, then it, it ends. ends. So we are Luminol True Crime, and we are here for all of those cases that you actually haven't heard of yet, which there are surprisingly a lot of them. Every week, we choose a new theme. Check us out. We release episodes every Wednesday. They're full length, about an hour long each, and we talk about different cases you probably haven't heard of. We have a beer. We enjoy it, and mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun, so we think that you'll really like it. Yeah, join us. And listen to Luminol True Crime. Bye, kids. Bye, Luminati. All right, we're back. Now, as we mentioned, uh, by 2018, it had been 14 years since 17-year-old Satomi Kitaguchi had been stabbed to death in her own home by an unknown intruder. Intense efforts by the police and families were fruitless, and it looked as though Satomi's family would never get justice. Then something unexpected happened in April of 2018, and it led to the capture of this son of a bitch. The police in Yamaguchi received a call from a construction worker. Not not exactly the lead that they thought would lead to, you know. Right. A, a, I'm like, okay, I'm listening. A 14-year-old not excited, but listening. Murder, you know. But the man uh, mm-hmm. that had called the police complained that his supervisor uh, on the job at the construction site had violently kicked him in his back while on the job, gotten upset at him <laughs> over something. Oh my god! Um, Who immediately goes to kicking? Like no shove, no punch, just fucking immediately to kicking. Right. That's hey, the legs are more that powerful. Must be a Japan thing as well. They are. They definitely are. And that's no doubt. And if you can catch somebody by surprise, oh, man, you could do some damage. Right. But I don't know. So the supervisor that had kicked this man was a 35-year-old man named Manabu Kashima. He had been working on the construction uh, for the construction company for 10 years. He had lost control of his, uh, of his temper and kicked the subordinate over a work dispute. The subordinate then called the police. By the time the police got there, though, both of them had kind of mellowed down um, however, the police being, you know, very uh, prestigious, they they took right. a proper record of the incident, and they be, even took them down to the police station for statements, including Good taking fingerprints, doing their due diligence. That's what I'm talking about right there. If yeah, I mean, if more police took every event like this seriously and just dotted the i's, crossed the t's, uh, you never know what you're going to find out about these people. If you just let it go, this never, this person never would have been captured. Especially an assault, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, an assault you assault of someone. Any kind. This probably isn't the first time you've assaulted someone. If you if you Ex- if you kick an employee at work, it's probably not the first time you've hit somebody. In right. If you're willing to do that at work, what are yeah. you doing in your free time? What are you doing at the bar? Like, holy shit! Right. You're willing to kick someone at work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, they brought them down for uh, a talk, and when it came time to inc- to collect their fingerprints. They saw that Kashima was quite nervous. Um, He was apprehensive about getting his fingerprints Mm. collected. They felt something was amiss. The police submitted his fingerprint to Yamaguchi Police Headquarters just because they wanted to just make sure that there wasn't something about this dude that he was trying to hide. Um, They they submitted to police headquarters. They ran it through their system, and they found a match. Oh, no shit. And I think you know where this is going. I have an idea. This blew their minds because Kashima's fingerprints ended up matching the 14-year-old, basically cold at this point, uh, murder investigation uh, uh, of Satomi. This this was his fingerprint matched the murder scene um, of Satomi Kitaguchi. Right. What do you say there? I mean, they just. I'm sure they were basically glad that they they did their they went above and beyond and did their due diligence uh, to to follow up on basically. Not that big of a deal, you know, a, yeah. a basic assault at a at a work a work uh, place, but right, right, right. This is why you do it. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah, and this is also why uh, he was so calmed down by the time the cops got there. You know, because yeah, he was hoping like, oh, that shit, they would just like the move cops? on. He's like, yeah, he's like, well, let's 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 solve this dispute really quickly. It's I like, said yeah, sorry no like five times to the guy. I don't know what else you want me to do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, really, like, what did you, what did he expect to happen here? I think he thought it was just going to kind of be overlooked. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't, you can't drop that, though. 
you know, if your boss kicks you, he had to, that's probably when they first realized that he was so hesitant about getting his fingerprints done. It was probably right then. They were probably like, well, come on down to the station. And they were probably like, oh, no, I got so much work to do here. It's fine. You know, I just, he doesn't really want to, he doesn't want to press charges and whatnot, but. They're like, no, really, we insist. You, you, no, you, insist. Let's just come yeah. down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Please, I'm sorry. Let's bow. Whatever we got to do. Just get in the damn car. Right. <laughs> So now they they have this match, and now they're they're they're. I'm sure you're wondering who is this, Manab- Manubu uh, Kashima. He was a resident of of uh, Yamaguchi, which is right next to Hiroshima. Um, the distance between Obishi and uh, Hatsugu- Hatsukaishi, where uh, Satomi was murdered, is about 100 kilometers. Um, so not not out of uh, the realm of possibility that he was in the area. In 2004, he was 21 years old, which again matches the suspect's age and appearance. You remember the yeah. the grandmother and younger sister said that it was a man in his younger uh, his early 20s, and it's yeah, since dude, been 14 had... years. He's 35, so he would have been right around in his early 20s at the time. It's perfect. You had me at fingerprint, but go on. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a good point. It, all this is irrelevant, really, when your fingerprint matches. No, go ahead. Go, that, we just want to see how dead in the water he was. This is, this is interesting. Exactly. So Kashima was also highly suspicious. He was arrested and handed to the police in Hiroshima. Uh, the way he was acting, it just clearly gave away that he had something to hide as well, aside from his fingerprint matching. In March of 2020, he was tried in court. And even with everything against him, you know, the uh, his profile matching and his fingerprint matching mm-hmm. the crime scene and his DNA that they ran because remember Satomi had his DNA under her fingernails. She had put up quite a fight and scratched him in the right. process of his stabbing. Um, and so, yeah, he's dead to no rights, but he still well. decided to not plead guilty initially. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Bold. However, at a certain point he ended up giving up on that, uh, with all the evidence working against him, he finally succumbed and confessed everything in court. He said that he didn't know Satomi, and on that fateful day, he was riding his bike from Obishi to Katsukochi, Katsukaichi, uh, while deeply frustrated by work. This guy, he maybe he needed to f- find a different industry to work in because he's clearly, you know, construction is too stressful for this guy. He's kicking people and murdering people because he's so pissed about his job. Yeah, seriously. I mean, but 10 years, yeah, he's been doing it for a while. He's He's been there long enough to get bitter, but I mean... This you know, I'm just thinking now. He worked for this. He worked oh, for the construction yeah. company that he'd kicked the guy for for ten years. So this so was four years this, prior to him starting at that company. But I'm sure he was still job. probably in construction, just working for a different company. I'm sure. I'm sure. Who knows? Working for companies sucks, bro. <laughs> or maybe, maybe he he was so frustrated that he you know supposedly killed Satomi because of it, and then he realized afterwards that like, man, I need to get into something else. Went into construction, and then ten years later, he's getting back to the point where he's frustrated by that industry as well. Yeah, he could be. He was just he was just know, still a just kid though. Here. He was just a kid when when he when yeah, he, he was did Satomi. You know what I mean? He was just a little 21. brat still. He was throwing yeah. a temper tantrum that day. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah. So on the day that he killed Satomi, he was out riding on a bike. And he also saw Satomi riding a bike as well. She was on her way home from her exam. She'd gotten off early from school, as we mentioned. He decided to stalk her. He coveted her beauty. He was he was deeply frustrated with his life at the time and decided a quick little detour mm-hmm. to stalk a young girl and rape her would make him feel better about himself. He followed Satomi home, and after waiting out, he sneaked into her room where she was. she was already napping at this point. She was in her bed when he came in. I think he'd been hiding out uh, within, maybe outside the home or within the home, uh, right. crept upstairs and found her. Well, he listen, he had to have been waiting for a while because she yeah, got home at 1 o'clock and didn't take yeah, a nap until around 3. Yeah, he p.m. is so, when the grandmother and younger sister heard yeah, the screams. Yeah, so he was waiting for a while. So yeah, he waited. Um, yeah. A fierce resistance by Satomi agitated him further, he said. Uh, that's when he decided to pull out his knife and rather than rape her, stab her uh, to take out his frustration he stabbed uh, Satomi repeatedly. Um, so his his initial intent was to rape Satomi, but when she put up the fight against the the rape, scratching him and whatnot, that's when he decided to stab her to death. During the trial, the defense lawyer right. claimed that the crime had not been planned. It was a momentary loss of sanity and spontaneous violation resulted from accumulated work stress. That doesn't excuse anything. That All right, hold up right there. That ain't going to get you out of murder. 
I was well. He was just upset at work. You know, right. it was just a spur, spur of the moment. Thing. Isn't waiting two hours in the bushes, motherfucker. Like that's plenty of time to cool off and and realize that this is a terrible thing to do. If you're just angry yeah, and you lost control, that's on the verge of premeditation. When you're sitting and you stalk a person and you wait for hours yes. in the bushes, yeah. And you weren't outside like losing your shit, throwing stuff, creating a ruckus. No, you were hiding. You were quiet. Mm-hmm. You were cool and calm. Right? What the yes. fuck? Like this is yes. not even an excuse. Yeah, it's not like you you all were like standing on the corner and she said something that insulted you and you were so stressed about work that you stabbed her. That would be more of a you're, you're, uh, like secondary uh, like second second degree murder. Right. You know, you're like, still a uh, piece of shit, but at least your your alibi but when makes you sense. Stalk, but your alibi don't even make you sense. You stalk a teenage girl and sneak into her room to rape her and end up stabbing her to death. Yeah, that's that's first degree murder in my opinion. Yes. He waited. It's because of the time. He waited for mm-hmm. so long. It wasn't. It wasn't this spontaneous. He had time. Yeah, insanity. like you said, he had time to calm down. It, he had two hours. He yes, sat there and waited. It is not spontaneous insanity, like this defensive lawyer is saying. It's not. It's not. Yeah. So the judge did not acknowledge and or and concur the claim uh, that the defense lawyer said about it being you know this loss of sanitary uh, this loss of sanity momentarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he decided it was, uh, in remaining on the run for an extended period, there was a significant impact on the bereaved family and community as well. So for him being out there for 14 years, that just made everything worse as well. Uh, the presiding judge, Hisanori uh, Sugimoto, said that uh, Manubo uh, acted out of extreme selfishness in killing Satomi. Quote, it was a crime that was the result of an outburst of anger after a rape failed, the judge said. Um, I want you to understand, this is Kitaguchi's father now, um, Satomi's dad was speaking in court uh, at the trial and said, I want you to understand that my daughter's life was snatched away. I was strongly, I strongly wished for a strict ruling. So pleading to the judge to throw the book at this, this man who killed her, killed his young daughter. Yeah. Um, and in the end, Kashima was convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison as he should have been. Yes, he should have. But it. But if he could have just kept his his uh his anger in line at, at work and not kicked a man, he probably would have gotten away with murder until one of his family members submitted their DNA to Twenty Three and Me years from now, and he would get caught. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, when your DNA is under the fingernails of a woman you uh you stabbed to death, it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time, you, buddy. You stay alive long enough, they're gonna catch mm-hmm. you because the way DNA is being traced now, you're you're done. Yep. Hang in there, sweating it out every damn day. Yep. Gonna get a knock. <laughs> Gonna get that knock that the Golden State Killer got. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do a 23 me just to get my DNA and the and just give them more <laughs> to work do with. It. Like I said, maybe I have some scumbag distant relative right. that is a rapist or if something, they, and if, or was a rapist in the 80s or something. Who knows? Right. And if they make a clone of me, it'll probably be better anyways. So it'll probably be better for society. I won't know. Yeah. You know, That's egotistical. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if there's more of me out no, there. I'm just saying, be better. Like, how many good podcasts there will be? No, I'm saying it'll be better than this version of me. They're obviously going to wipe out me, dumbass. They're going to oh, take okay. me and make me. I thought you were. No, I thought you were being like, oh man, the more Michaels there are on the planet, the better. You know, no, the better no, off the world I, will be. I, so. No, I'm talking from the sense of like Bill Burr, where he was talking about. He's like, he's like a full size robot. Of you is going to show up at your door, and when you enter the door, it's going to kill your ass and then take your spot. <laughs> that's what bill bird thinks they're gonna do with our I, DNA. you know what though i know all the weaknesses of that bastard too so of what it's gonna be a scrap oh, oh. <laughs> but it'll be a robot dude if i have it won't to fight a the human. clone of me i know where, i know where to go it'll be better you do. it'll be stem celled fixed you eugenics at its best it won't be regular yeah, you, yes but does it do jujitsu <laughs> <laughs> it's already been downloaded <laughs> it's like in the matrix yeah. when it just down <laughs> he's like the freaking jujitsu and john jones yeah. and all these people like right. all mixed together bro all right then i'm toast <laughs> i'm thinking by the time they're doing that kind of stuff i'll already be dead so yeah. i guess my kids will have to deal with that shit but for now i'd like to submit my dna just so they have more more to work with to catch bad people yeah there you go and it would be interesting uh for you because i know your lineage has been kind of uh it's been changed. My great grandfather was whatnot, adopted right? by a German family. I believe I was. I'm actually uh, French descent because mm-hmm. the name that my great grandfather had before he was adopted by a German family was very French. Mm-hmm. And now I have a German sounding last name because, like I said, he was adopted. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm guessing I'm just a mix of European countries, though. Right. It's probably going to be some French, some German. You know, it's a little bit of everything. 
Yeah, but it'd be worth checking out, though. Definitely be worth checking out. Yeah. It'll be fun for you. And it'll also be a cool thing you can tell your kids, too. You can be like, oh, check this out. Like, you might be this, 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 you know? Right. So My wife's very Irish, so I know my kids got some of that. Oh, yeah. There you go. I'm a quarter Irish. So I got nice. I got a lot of that. And I got, like, uh, British, Polish, uh, all that stuff right around in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? West, West Europe? Never know. There might be something in there that surprises me. That'll be cool, I guess. Oh yeah, so I think for I'm sure, for sure. There might be. Like I said, just because of that lineage change, there, it's worth checking it out for you. You know what I'm saying? Because your family might not know that much about the history, right? I mean, how much could your dad know, right? Because his dad uh, was adopted, right? His dad's dad was adopted. His dad's oh, okay. His dad's dad. Yeah, my great grandfather was. Adopted. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So you guys know a few generations back, but that's probably about right. it. Yeah, I would definitely check it out, dude. What's the other one? What's the uh, 23 and Me and then Ancestry, right? They're two different things. Do they? Yeah, they. but does Ancestry do the, where you submit your DNA as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh-oh. I'll look at what deals they got going on. There you go. Last time I looked at it, I think it was like 90 bucks or something like that to do the whole spit yeah, that's, swab that's, thing. That's not bad. Yeah. And I think they have like different plans you can do where they offer more. Like if you pay more, you they can uh, they, they constantly update. Yes, because as they get more DNA, it gets more and more accurate, and your profile changes. Like, oh, we just found out that you're actually that. Yeah, you also have a little bit of this too, right? So. And see, I think I did that. I got in early because I did this shit like mm-hmm. a long time ago. Like, I don't know, 2014, mm-hmm. 2013, 14, somewhere around there, I would think. And uh, it took a while to get that back. It took a long time to get my results. And then, but now I still get constant emails and they're, they narrow it. They're like, here, here, oh, here okay. is your they're new. They're still updating you. Huh? Yeah. They're like, here's Yeah. Your the new longer you wait, the better accurate. it gets, you know, the more accurate it gets. Precisely. Precisely. So it, it's like, it can really narrow down and be a lot more, a lot more direct in where you came from. So that's why I say to do it now. Like, you know, 10 years ago, probably wasn't the best time to do it, you know, but now, but if they keep updating you, you know, that's... Yeah, yeah. as long as they keep updating Like they're doing with you, then what's the difference? That's what, but what I'm saying is the information that you got for the price you paid, for the, the information oh, I yeah, got yeah, from yeah. the price I paid, my pie chart had like too many pieces. I was like, what the hell? What's this? <laughs> I, got, I got all this stuff. I'm like, what is it? You're telling me stuff I got like 1%, you know, 12%. I'm like, well, right. narrow this down a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they've gotten really good now. Yeah. They've gotten really good now, so... So yeah, that's our case this week. Hope you guys enjoyed our first trip to Japan on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a quickie, but a, but a good one. I'm sure if you uh, know how to pronounce things in Japanese, you probably didn't enjoy it as much, but... <laughs> or maybe you did. People love it when we... Yeah. Some people love it when we just butcher like... They just laugh at yeah, it. You know, yeah, like that's answer. true. That's how you should take it, you know? That's how you should take it. Yeah. That's, that's what I think. People mispronounce names over here. I'm like, ah, what cares? They're obviously not from here. Who cares? How could they know otherwise? Right? It's it, it's I guess it's fine. It's when like the entire world mispronounces uh, Nevada, it bothers me. Uh, but it's just mm. like it's people that should know by now, people that have you know either work in Vegas or like frequent Nevada constantly, yeah. and they still call it Nevada. Right, right. But like the first time we met, you weren't upset with me when I called it Nevada because I didn't know. Yeah, I mean, I'd but if someone Nevada, from Japan mispronounced Nevada. Nevada, I would kind of expect it. I'd be like, yeah, well, that's yeah, it's so foreign to you. You know, it's like us mispronouncing all these. European country names and Japan names. Exactly. It's almost like I can look up the, the pronunciation and I'm still going to struggle. You know, it's just such a cultural... <laughs> the, the way that my mouth it, pronounces things, is it's it would take a while. Right. And here's a problem that I find with pronunciation videos. So many of them are just computer generated now. So yes. It, so oh, I'm dude, like... I, I stopped even bothering. Right. I'm like, I still... I don't know that that's right. That doesn't sound right. Right. Because uh, I can look up words that I know how to pronounce and then the computer pronounces them wrong. So I'm like... Yeah, I, I can't even trust this. So it's you wing it, you know, or unless you can find a video or something with. But when you're dealing with a foreign language, like if you're dealing with, you know, most of the videos where people know how to say these terms in these cities are in Japanese. So you don't know the rest of it. So you got to listen real close to try to pick out the town <laughs> and then good luck repeating that, you know, with that dialect. It's tough, man. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. You want to talk some Oh My Gaia? Yeah, let's do that instead. All right. 
Oh My Gaia is an innovative all-natural deodorant fragrance and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural, paraben, and aluminum-free organic ingredients. And there's tons of scents to choose from, guys. There's definitely something to fit, to fit your style or your vibe, whatever you're going for. From vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside, uh, bergamot, amber. We have our very own scent called True Crime Hine. So if you don't know where to start, that's a great place to start. It's a very nice, light, unisex scent. It's something that I keep in stock all the time. Uh, again, that's True Crime Pine. There's also scents like Pear that have been recently added. Barbershop, another great fresh scent. And because you guys are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word Creeper for 15% off your order. That's C-R-E-E-P-E-R. And you can get 15% off at shop underscore oh my Gaia on Instagram or ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com, guys. 15% off. Use the word creeper. Won't regret it, guys. That's right. Do it. You, I, I promise you, you won't regret it. You won't. All right. I want to take a minute to thank everybody that's gone and rated and reviewed the show on iTunes uh, this week. Uh, we got a friend from tw- 423 in the U.S. said, hilarious, hilarious and terrifying. Five stars. Give this podcast a chance. You will not regret <laughs> it, just like you won't regret trying Oh My Guy either. Oh, right on. We got uh, Germa A2 in Canada said, salute from Quebec. Oh, nice. I listened to your first available episode, and I liked it. Then I listened to your most recent, and same. I like your style, simple but factual in your exchanges. Uh, there's insight and sensitivity. Thank you. Uh to Germa, I don't know if I'm messing that one, Germ A2 in Canada. Nailed it. We got Freem Bean in the U.S. Said, love this podcast, five stars. I'm very picky with true crime, and this one hit me from the first time I listened. I'm a criminal justice student, and I love that y'all are humble. Keep the moida keep the moida keep coming. Keep the moida coming, we will. It always amazes me when we have people who are actually going to school and getting degrees in criminal justice and, and they want to and, listen uh, to psychology us. and all this stuff, and they actually like our shows. Right. And I just always worry. Isn't about this that. like two steps right. backwards for you guys? I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, no, I'm right. <laughs> but we, we we try, and we also admit that we're it, in things that we're not uh, formally educated on. We, we you know we basically put that out there like, look, this is how we look at it, but we're not right. Uh, Absolutely, experts by any means. That's, I mean, that's what well, that's the only thing that we can bring on our show that no one else can is how we feel and what we think and how we uh, per- perceive our things. perspectives. Yeah, exactly. Then we got uh, Carly Alberton in the U.S. said, "True Crime's finest, five stars," uh, and wrote a very long, very nice uh, review for us. Thank we appreciate you very much. that. And then we got EMJ loves rgr in the u.s said thank you five stars truly appreciate the research and time you put into each episode and finally we got moon ivy in the u.s said you all make my work day less boring keep up the great work five stars appreciate you all um and we'll get around uh over the coming weeks to like uh give thanks to people who leave comments on different apps and different platforms right you know i try to randomly select a platform and stuff to to give shout outs to people so Wherever you're leaving comments and supporting the show, we see you all. We appreciate you all, whether it's all over social media, Instagram, Twitter, yes. Facebook. We're all at True Crime Guys on all of those. Um, if you put us in your story on Instagram, get that you're listening or shout, shout us out on there. We always put it in our story. So That's right. Right. It gives you a little bit of love as well. Free advertisement. Um, yeah. Any way you support the show, we appreciate y'all. Yes, we do very much, guys. That's the number one way to support the show is follow us, tell a friend, um, just spread the word. And, or join Patreon. Patreon, I would say, is that's one A and one B there. Yes, Patreon being one A for sure, right? That's 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 yeah. the best way to help the show. Patreon.com/slash True Crime Guys for just two bucks a month, guys, or you can pay yearly now for just twenty one dollars, and you get access to our premium ex- episode, which is released every single month, um, only available on Patreon, as well as if well, it's at the uh, two dollar tier. Then at the $5 tier or above, you get access to Just the Banter, which we release every Friday evening to Saturday morning, give or take, <laughs> somewhere around This there. week, you got to find out our thoughts on each fruit. That's right. Uh, what we think of uh, strawberries mm-hmm. versus blueberries versus right. grapes. What's the top three? Versus... What's the bottom three? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you got to... We're not going to give it away. You'd have to, you have to listen to find of out. Of course. Of course. And uh, we also talked about some interesting things in that one, too. But... Uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, that was just the banter. Hey, we've gotten good feedback Listen, on the fruit conversation. I have to we, say, we did. You, you guys, you guys love to hear us talk for some reason, and we appreciate that so much. But we, that was just the banter twenty. So if fruits aren't your thing, we got nineteen other volumes of just the banter that are waiting to be unwrapped. Some of them upwards to an hour. Uh, some of them. Some of them are vegetables. Right. You never know what it might you be. You never know. It could be dogs. Could be about dogs. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, A lot of dog talk. But yeah, <laughs> but guys, that's Patreon.com slash true crime guys and if you're already a member of patreon and you've listened to everything that true crime guys has to offer and you caught up all the way up to this recent episode then guys check out our other show strange and unexplained wherever you listen to podcast true crime guys presents strange and unexplained if you just search true crime guys in your podcast app it should pull up uh you'll see the uh two velociraptors on the logo there we just released episode 50 this week, believe it or not. Two more weeks, and it'll be one whole year of Strange and Unexplained. And uh, we're, not, we're not slowing down anytime soon. We're, kinda, we're just getting this train rolling, guys. So yep. I'm excited to be working on that. Uh, part two of a crazy survival story will be released uh, this coming Monday for Strange and Unexplained. So if you guys want to get caught up with that, of course, there's patreon.com slash podcast, and you can find all updates on Strange and Unexplained um at on instagram preferably at s and u podcast but there's also i'm also putting up tweets for new episodes and content on twitter and then also post on facebook as well so we appreciate all the support guys and we're gonna have a we're gonna have probably even more content coming uh, in 2021 under tcg productions so hang in there we're just getting started yep all right all right y'all we'll see you next week keep creeping keep creeping guys in the desert we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was True Crime Garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the Creeper Army We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. True Crime Garage In the desert we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was True Crime Garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the Creeper Army, we out here making murder charming.